0: Welcome back, Ford Explorers. Before we get into this week's episode, I do want to remind you guys that we have Instagram, we have Twitter, we have Patreon if you want a subliminal shout-out, and don't forget about our hotline. Usually we tell you a story, but we want you to tell us a story, so reach out to us there and enjoy this week's episode. Enjoy, y'all.
1: Welcome back to the Ascat Spirit Hour, our Ford Explorers, our loyal Ford Explorers. I, of course, am the Colonel. This is my son, Caleb, and we are here to talk about all of the creepiest news of the week and the biggest story, of course. Uh, today's big story is a fun one. It's actually kind of a current events story. It's still it is. unfolding, the plane crash of Gwen Shamlin and Joe Laura, uh, the leaders of the Remnant Fellowship, but we'll get into that here in a, in a few minutes. Of course, we want to go through a few headlines first. Uh, my... Obviously, the
0: most important thing to me every podcast. Caleb, how are you? Good. Um, We we had ghost
1: report. What's your ghost report for the week?
0: Well, we had a person come in. I don't know if uh, they're listening right now. They seem to be a fan of the podcast because they came in and they're like, "Which one's the haunted booth?" (laughs) And we're like, "Oh, it's that one back there." And he's like, "I'm so excited!" He's like, (laughs) "He's like, no, it's a." And he basically laid everything out. He's like, "It's a guy and a girl, right?" And we're like, "Yeah." And he goes, "I hope I see something tonight." (laughs) Sadly, he didn't. but no, we we had some people uh, the on Halloween uh, come in that they were going to a ghost tour, and when they found out that the bar was haunted, they're like, we kind of don't want to go the ghost tour. We kind of <laughs> just want to stay here, yeah, see what's going on on in this building, but. I think it's it's going to be interesting to see how it plays out now that we're sort of inviting people to come see.
1: Is the ghost, all the ghost stuff that we've interacted or, you know, that we've seen has just sort of happened while working. And, you know, it's not really – there's never been the intention to suss out ghosts. Yeah. Yeah. But they just – stuff's always happening, so we figure why not. So, yeah, uh, more the merrier. By all means, come on down, guys. we If you know who we are and you know what we're talking about, come on down to the bar and, and see how haunted it really is. Maybe we can give Bobby Mackey's a run for their money. <laughs> Yeah. I actually saw, uh, this is just a quick aside, speaking of haunted bars, um, Jack Osborne's show Portals to Hell. Mm-hmm. I was real stoned the other night, and I was watching, they did one on the Monte Vista. Oh, cool. Well, they listened to our episode about the yes. Monte Vista, uh, if you haven't, but they talk about how there were like haunted tunnels under the hotel for prohibition. That hotel opened in 1927. I just wanted to
0: clarify that. That's not true. Sorry, continue. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, no real spooky events happened too bad this week. Um, the only real thing is of course some lights changed here and there, but nothing. Um, there's one thing, a change in the kind of overall feeling of the bar. Typically when we leave, it's very dark and you kind of get this, like not something rushing you out, but something following you out, making like, making sure you get out safe. Sure. That kind of has subsided. Oh, interesting. And, I mean, that's been a thing. I've been in that bar, like, almost every day for two years now. Yeah. And I leave when everyone leaves. And it's like the past, I don't know, maybe week, that feeling isn't there. Oh, I wonder if, somebody, wonder if one of our ghosts got sucked off. <laughs> it's, it's, Hell yeah, dude. <laughs> That's what happens when they go to
1: heaven. <laughs> they get sucked up.
0: Yeah, our, so we one of the ghosts may have figured out their unfinished business. That's got, an interesting idea, having a haunted place that's not haunted anymore. Yeah. yeah. Formally to, haunted bar. Yeah, welcome
1: to our formerly haunted bar. Uh, well, uh, that's it for this week's ghost report. I suppose. We should make that a regular segment. On yeah. show. I mean, we have. Yeah. But when you own a haunted business, like it's, and you work in one, like... You just see it every day. We might as well let everybody know. (laughs) Well, my first headline today, I'm talking almost exclusively about crypto bullshit today. Uh, My first headline is Eric Adams, the very unfortunate, soon-to-be mayor of New York. Um, I'm just going to go out on a limb. This is not a political statement. He's just a piece of shit. Um, And it's not just because he was a cop, but that's part of it. So he said that he's going to take in an effort Mm -hmm. to get uh, New York City on the blockchain. His big plan is to take his first three checks in Bitcoin. I don't know what that's supposed to show that all that that means to me is that he is extremely comfortable with ushering in this new era of fraud because yeah. anybody who's paid any attention to crypto, even if you're just sort of seeing the mania around it, all you really need to do is know that most of it is fraud or at least it's very rot with fraud. Yeah. I'm not saying that, you know, cryptocurrencies don't have a, a place We obviously have some investments in crypto, but it doesn't change the fact that most of it is fraud. I mean, look at this squid game situation. You know, mm-hmm. that was a, a coin that was advertised by major news outlets that turned out to be a rug pull. And as long as these things continue to be like as unregulated as they are. Yeah it's going to be the same issue. And so to see Eric Adams be so excited, a dude who is known for corruption, yeah. to be so thrilled at the idea of putting New York on the blockchain. Oh, you just want that
0: fraud to come to your front door. Yeah. Yeah, that's what it feels like. You to just me. want your entire city to be a mon- money laundering front. Absolutely. As yeah, more than <laughs> it already is anyway. It's like, "Oh, uh, we just had 3 million dollars go to uh water waste distribution. What's that?" And it's like, I don't know. I paid them in Ethereum. It's like, oh, cool! Someone scammed you for three million dollars, didn't yeah, they? Yeah, we'll take out all the
1: goods. the mob. Mob's gonna start because the mob is largely based around sanitation. It's mm-hmm. their, it's where they're at the businesses they like to yeah. own. Uh, bikers got tow trucks. Mob <laughs> guys got garbage trucks. They garbage trucks are gonna start taking payment and ETH and stuff. Yeah, it's a, it really it it's ushering in a whole new. Version
0: of the 1970s in New York City. (laughs) Yeah, between crypto and NFTs, it's just a weird time. Oh, don't worry. I'll get to NFTs in
1: just a moment. That's what my next story is about.
0: Um, While you're doing crypto and NFTs, I'm going to talk more about um, AI. Oh, yeah. We've got some fun AI stories. The first one being... smart
1: kind of robot. uh,
0: Self-driving cars, if you're not familiar with Waymo... Um, it's like Uber. If there you didn't have a driver that tried to make awkward conversation. Yeah. Well, Waymo. Yeah, Waymo
1: is that. Um, it's like the taxi in Total Recall.
0: Yes. Yeah. yeah. It's it's an AI uh, ride share. So.
1: And it works exactly as well as <laughs> the first as your chauffeur does in the first generation release of Cyberpunk.
0: Yes. Yeah. Crashes into stuff, <laughs> but ever so often, um, there's this small neighborhood in San Francisco's Richmond District that people living there noticed more and more Waymo cars were just showing up at all hours of the day, and they didn't know what was going on. <laughs> they said... Uh, that I w- <laughs> would be so eerie,
1: you know? you just like, you see down on the corner? It's like,
0: it's not sketchy people. It's like, you know there's like three robot cars just driving around down there? So uh, Jennifer King, a resident of the neighborhood, she said, I noticed it when I was sleeping. I awoke to a strange hum that I thought there was a spacecraft outside my window.
1: <laughs> That's uh, my favorite part about my electric car. <laughs>
0: She said, uh, later, there's some days it can be up to 50 cars, literally every five <laughs> minutes, and we're all wa- uh, working from home, so this is what we hear. Well, Waymo looked into it, and basically what it runs down to is these AI drivers, yeah. follow all street signs. even <laughs> it doesn't matter like if it's a temporary one or anything. well, just so happens in the small neighborhood, the way the street signs are lined up between slow traffic and one ways and everything like that. It basically confuses the AI so much to just go down this dead end road and just stop. Um, <laughs> it's where it gives up. Yeah. So uh, one of the spokespeople from Waymo were like, we continually adjust to dynamic San Francisco road rules. In this case, cars traveling North of California on 15th Avenue have to take a U-turn due to the presence of slow street signage on Lake. So the Waymo driver was obeying the same road rules that any car is required to follow. But it gets confused. (laughs) So it's going down this one-way street. Like your 88-year-old grandfather. Has to do a U-turn, see that it's a one-way street, and can't do a U-turn. So it's like back when we talk about um, system overflow, uh, syntax errors. Yeah, when we talked about the 2038 Yeah, 2038 and Y2K. This is basically... It's going down a laundry list of things that has to follow. And it's like, cool, I have to do a U turn. This is a one way street. I'm legally not allowed to do a U turn. And it's like, I guess I just have to stay here. <laughs>
1: well, yeah, because it just exists basically until the air is yeah. fixed, right? That's so funny. What if <laughs> I used to, that just reminds me of I used to work for a company where I drove a Sprinter van with a large Airstream behind mm-hmm. it very blog type of job. And uh, we were working for a month in Austin, Texas for South by Southwest. And I was trying to park it and I was driving it from the venue to our house, our Airbnb, where we were staying. And uh, I had Morgan Freeman as my voice on ways. And I haven't since, and I like had to take a hiatus on watching Shawshank every night because uh, it got to a point where he was like, that's a dead end. And I was like, yeah, I fucking know. I have a 30-foot trailer behind a 20-foot van. I know it's a dead end. That's why I'm not going that way. And it's like, you can turn around here. Buddy, I need a Walmart parking lot to turn
0: around. I cannot turn around here. And I just absolutely
1: fell out of love with Morgan Freeman.
0: <laughs> him, <laughs> I was like, him condescendingly telling you that your driving's bad. It's the only time I've, like, in earnest cursed God. Like, fuck you, man. God.
1: Because I'm very confident that's Morgan Freeman. No. All right. Well, my second story is just as frustrating. Uh, <clears throat> normally, Ubisoft is the company that we're all really mad at for yeah. doing shitty things. We saw some movie trailer the other day that had an Ubisoft logo in the beginning.
0: I don't of even it. remember what it was. It was like some shitty horror movie, right? Yeah.
1: It wasn't the. It wasn't even the new Nathan Drake movie. The. Why doesn't he have a mustache? Anyway, that's a different <laughs> conversation. So EA says that NFTs and that you know, basically play to earn games are the quote future of the gaming industry. So well, Brittany and Brian are screaming at the top of their lungs right now, (laughs) we feel the same way. That's, I mean, EA is obviously notorious for being a company that's very much about pay to play. Yeah. Uh, They love their microtransactions. Yeah, man. And that, you know, this just, the idea that you would need to buy an NFT to get what they're talking about is, Basically making players. So if you own, say, the NFT to have control over Ronaldo and FIFA, you're the only person in the world who can have Ronaldo on your team in FIFA. That's it's, awful. It entirely ruins the fucking point of video games. It's like, video games have already been pushed around enough with having to constantly be online and all these other issues. It's like people forget that it's supposed to be a place where you blow off steam. Yeah. People get so involved in these games and make it a lifestyle. that They allow the stresses of their regular life. I don't want that shit. I don't want any of that. I play video (laughs) games to blow off steam. I want to I love playing games like Halo because when you want to play Halo with friends, hop on live. It's 10 seconds. You're in a game. Yeah. No questions asked. You're ready to play. There's no pay shit. There's not. I mean even when they started doing, you know, the cards and the the uh, randomly uh, generated stuff that's stupid it yeah. makes it gambling and it it entirely negates I don't want to gamble to play Halo. I don't want to gamble to play Madden. I don't yeah. want to do that. It doesn't I get that you know nine-year-olds are really impressed that their knife in CSGO has a super cool green skin. I don't give a flying fuck. I use the regular knife. Yeah. I'm there to play the game. Yeah. I'm there like you know what I mean? It's so lost. I mean so to hear a company with that much sway with that much ownership it's painful, and especially because it's EA, which means that Take-Two is affected by that. And Take-Two is a company that's already really dragging its ass with Rockstar. Mm-hmm. if kind of the largest gaming leviathan that is just dropping the ball left and right, putting in you know pay-for-play schemes where they historically have said they wouldn't do that sort of thing, while still not offering single-player DLC or any of the things people would actually pay for. And I worry that this is that's the future of the gaming industry. Yeah. You want this game to be a game you actually enjoy? That'll be 30 more dollars, please. Yeah. It's like, what I, the
0: fuck, man? There's 70 bucks. Let me play my game. I was saying, imagine paying $70 to get the new Call of Duty and then you load in and it's like, "Cool. Uh, do you want a gun?" Yeah. That'll be 3 Ethereum. It's <laughs> like, "Oh, you want me to pay to have a gun (laughs) in a game about (laughs) shooting one
1: another? Yeah, and then it allows whatever, you know, like there's always that dynamic when you're a kid, you know, especially with PC gamers. It's more with PC gamers than with console gamers, but the rich kids suck. They have better equipment. You know what I mean? Like, and that gives them real advantages in games sometimes that they don't deserve. Why on earth would you cater to that crowd? You know, it's so money hungry. It's just, it's EA hasn't done anything good to outweigh a decision like this to make me think that there's a motivation behind this other than purely financial gain. Yeah, All they want is to make more money.
0: I think it'd be super funny, though, if that is the way it goes, that uh, Brian, shout out to switching to Game Chat, could start up the uh, scheme that he did in middle school where he would uh, go on RuneScape and tell people that he could... Uh, gild their armor with gold trim, which wasn't a thing. <laughs> and when people would give them his armor, he'd log off. <laughs> Imagine doing that with NFTs. <laughs> yeah, you get like a $10,000 gun. You just log off. <laughs> Psych, bye. Hey, you want me to add a gold trim to your gun? Oh yeah, you can do that? Yeah, man, it's the NFT that I bought. Oh cool, yeah. Here's my $16,000 NFT. Well,
1: and NFTs in general, we won't talk about this too much because we have a great story to talk about today and you still have another news, a very funny news <laughs> story to talk about. But I nfts worry me because because they're because there's so much about connecting authenticity or like um, you know to be a certificate of some type well that entirely goes against the point of the blockchain yeah so that feels like What we're going to actually work towards is using the blockchain incorrectly as a way to have things be very, very tied to stuff. ID addresses are still going to stick around in the way that they do. Like the joy of the blockchain is that you can find some anonymity in it. Mm -hmm. You know, it's weird to see something that was we can talk about how Bitcoin and all this stuff was developed for a digital. No, it wasn't. It was developed. So you had an anonymous way to buy drugs on the Internet. If that's not what it was made for, that's certainly what popularized it. Without the <laughs> Silk Road, we wouldn't give a flying fuck about Bitcoin. Yeah. So, like, when you get beyond that purpose, you start to just, it's just going to end up becoming something we already have. Yeah. Because its innovation was in what, in the market it served, not in the way that it served that market. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, to me, this just feels like another way to, this feels like a way to make you buy an NFT to get a root level, you know, anti cheat put into your computer or yeah. something, you know? Like, I'm not, going to tie my wallet any more than I already have to to my video games. Yeah. Anyway.
0: Um, my last article is about one of my favorite, uh, technological advances. And that is the Boston dynamics, creepy digi dogs. Yes. Spot absolutely. the digi Spot. dog. Um, and if you were on the internet, uh, earlier this year, you probably saw the video of four NYPD squad members walking out of their headquarters uh, surrounding a painted blue Boston Dynamics spot as it walked down the street, and so many people were like, oh, this and is... And also that one with a gun on it from yeah. that show a couple weeks ago. Yes. Yeah. Um, but that one that belonged to the NYPD lost its job. <laughs>
1: <laughs> they furloughed a dog?
0: So uh, the police canceled. <laughs> is it, is it, yeah, is it because it wouldn't beat somebody? Yeah. <laughs> It actually had too much morality uh, for the NYPD. Does that guy got fucking drugs on him? The
1: <laughs> no. like, oh. Does he have fucking drugs on him? I don't know. You're fired.
0: So uh, the police NYPD canceled a ninety four thousand dollar contract with Boston Dynamics. Damn. Uh, followed um, following a backlash tied to cuts to the police budget. And concerns of police militarization and abuses of force. Yeah, you don't say. Yeah, uh, and they're like, we're not too militarized. And they're like, hey, man, you're a little too militarized. Hey, you got to get rid of some of your military w- gear. Will you give
1: like, us mm-hmm. the uh, the MRAVs and the rocket launchers back? No, you can have the robot dog.
0: Okay, we'll take the robot dog.
1: So uh, they did. That makes me not as worried about these Boston Dynamics dogs. Yeah. If that's the thing that they
0: were like, well, we're keeping the grenades. So... <laughs> We get rid of the dog, I guess. It makes me not really worried about that dog. Hey guys, you got to get rid of some of your military gear. It's like, okay, um, well, we're gonna keep the tank because I mean, this is New York City. Yeah, we're gonna keep the <laughs> uh, the drone. Uh, we're gonna hang on to that Predator drone, and we're gonna. <laughs> uh, but what the NYPD technical assistant response unit um, director said was the dog was going to I'm save lives, <laughs> protect people, and protect officers, and that was the goal of the dog. Which is crazy because it's a 70 pound dog that's able to (laughs) climb stairs uh, up, very bad at climbing stairs down. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Um, Just like a bear. But when they got rid of it, uh, Bill de Blasio was like, I'm glad the Dog was put down. (laughs) He said, it was creepy, alienating, and sends the wrong message to New Yorkers. (laughs) Yeah, get out
1: a regular good old-fashioned racist German shepherd to chase people instead. How is that better? De Blasio eats his fucking pizza with
0: a fork. Get out of here. But uh, everyone was pretty happy about it because they thought it was... uh, just like a surveillance ground it was drone. creepy. They thought it was creepy, <laughs> alienating, and send the wrong message. Yeah. Which so, is true, but so does the uniform of the NYPD. So uh, the robot dog did get put down. <laughs>
1: <laughs> you think there's like a
0: sad power down? I hope they transferred his spirit into a roomba or they, something. They they plugged in a flash drive that made him Cortana. Was uh, <laughs> that gave him the recipe to chocolate. <laughs> 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 they said no dog should not taste chocolate before it dies. <laughs> Well shit, those are good stories.
1: Uh yeah, man, it's head th- it's headlines time. It's our it's our main story. Uh I think the the big story this week is really fun. But it as is. we mentioned, it's you know, it is still unraveling a little. But it's just too spicy for us not to pay attention to. So, uh, a few months ago, I guess, mm-hmm. something like that. Um Well, no, not the crash. We'll get into the plane crash. That was earlier this year. But a few months ago, HBO put out a documentary series called uh, The Way Down, which is about Gwen Shamblin, uh, The Way Down Method, which was her uh, God-wants-you-to-be-skinny diet guilt plan, and then The Remnant Fellowship, which was the Christian cult that she ran, uh, her very recent husband, Joe Laura, and their plane crash earlier this year in May. Was it May or was it March? Uh, It was May. Yeah, I knew it was, it's gonna be May. (laughs) I knew it was one of those those M M months. Yeah, it was one of those M months. Uh, Yeah, so Gwen Shamblin, we'll start by talking about her a little bit, because she, the meat and potatoes of this story is that this plane crash is significantly more questionable than it looks, and it's very ripe. uh, It looks like they probably fake their deaths. Yes. You know, we're not, we can't, allegedly, we have to say that. Um, for the 14 people that listen, you know, <laughs> but it is—it's alleged, obviously. We can't suppose that this happened beyond that, but it really does look like that's what happened. So we're going to explore that today. But before we get into all of that, to explain how it's possible that maybe they did fake their deaths, or maybe somebody killed them, or maybe God struck them down—that's my acting. I think it's really funny every time an evangelist is like, "God wants this, and if He—if He didn't want me to have it, He would stop me," and then they die, and they're like. So do we keep the church going? Anyway, so let's talk about Gwen. Let's start with Gwen and Gwen Shamblin, um, a woman of incredible hair. It's in the thumbnail. You guys saw it, but her hair was something else. Only got
0: bigger the skinnier she got. She looks like (laughs) if Rob Zombie cast a biopic for Dolly Parton. You know, (laughs) Uh, she looks like if uh, Tim Burton drew Dolly Parton from memory,
1: (laughs) these are all just going to be Dolly Parton jokes. Yeah. Well, because she looks like there is like this sect of white women in the South, especially the upper South, like Georgia and uh, Tennessee, the Carolinas, where you see. You kind of see that aesthetic, and it's like a—I don't know—I think it's like a—it's a specific look, but I think she's very true to how there's like a—I don't know—it's like a country farmhouse kind of closer
0: to God. Yeah. Well, the bigger your hair is, the closer you are to God. Yeah, exactly. The more Uh, flammable
1: your hair is.
0: But Gwen Shamblin uh, was just a real piece of shit who (laughs) (laughs) began a weight uh, control consulting program in 1980. Yeah, called the Way Down. Mm -hmm. And the reason is because in. When she was in college, she struggled with her weight, and she consulted with uh, genetics. I like when people say shit like that. And now, you know, both of us are chubby boys. Yeah. We're big boys.
1: We always have been. I pretty much always have been. Yeah. And uh, the term struggling with your weight is funny. Like, get out of here. Oh, fuck, I'm trying. I'm sorry, it's so heavy.
0: Like, my knees struggle with my weight. (laughs) Uh, But she met with, like, Uh, People that were the forefronts of genetics, metabolism, and behavior modification. And she's like, why are some people thin while other people's... uh
1: Otherwise known as phrenology and eugenics. Yes.
0: (laughs) Um, She's like, why are some people thin while other people are overweight? And they'll do the exact same thing. And the geneticists were like, well, it's genetics. And she's like, I don't believe you. And so (laughs) she founded the Way Down Workshop. Yeah, which is a pun. The yes.
1: way is way like how much you weigh, but it's a, it's a, an
0: illusion to going to hell. Yes. Yeah. Um, this was a weight loss program where, uh, she said there's no food restrictions, no exercise regimes and no weigh-ins or calorie counting. It's a, it's a new, Just
1: a fucking butt ton of guilt.
0: <laughs> yes. Um, some experts were concerned that like getting rid of exercise and guidance on food selection, um, isn't a healthy thing to do. Uh, I know, personally, there's this study that went out, I want to say, in 2011 or 2010, where a guy, all he ate were uh, Twinkies and Doritos, but he still looked at the calories he was bringing in from those, and he ended up losing, like, 100 pounds, and he's like, yeah, it's because my body's dying? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, well,
1: all the diet fad shit, the only thing you need to know if you want to be in good shape is eat healthy food
0: and work out on a regular basis. That's how you do it. But uh, when Gwen was developing the Way Down workshop, she was getting her master's degree at Memphis State University, and she started hosting these Way Down classes in a mall in Memphis. And more and more people were coming to the classes, and they were just a retail setting, a non-religious setting at the beginning. Yeah. But she did, the message
1: was always that that's what God wanted. Yes. Because, you know, it plays into the seven deadly sins, obviously, gluttony, right? Lust. Lust. Yeah, I want to fuck that sandwich. Um, You know, but there's, I've always wondered, the fundamental difference between gluttony and pride to me is hard. It's like, so gluttony is that you are selfish, basically.
0: But isn't that what pride, like, you know what I mean? Like, I know that gluttony,
1: I'm not a Christian, so
0: I know that. I believe gluttony is what you pull in, so it is like, an over-exuberance of wealth and food and indulgences. But isn't that, aren't those all things that people would have to take pride in? Well, pride is like you self-image.
1: Pride... See, that seems yeah, like... A, it's yeah, it's a weird
0: thing. Like, yeah. um, But that's
1: the same, those are both sins. Yes. It's weird that, it's just weird to me, fundamentally, again, just from the outside, fundamental is a funny word to use here. But if you're preaching to people that God doesn't want you to overeat, he wants you to look sexy? Like, because yeah. her message wasn't, You know, when I say that all you have to do to be healthy is to eat decently and work out, I don't mean you're going to have some six pack. In most cases, that's the byproduct of an eating disorder as well. Mm -hmm. You know, bodybuilders are just as hyper fixated on their body as somebody who might have anorexia or bulimia that can easily be classified as uh, uh, like an eating disorder as well. Body dysmorphia, at least. Yes. So. She was never really talking about being healthy. She was talking mm-hmm. about being skinny, and she was always, she does it from such a suburban mom mindset because it's like, don't eat Oreos or whatever. I remember David Chang has a new show out, and roll your fucking eyes at that. I'm sure there are probably people listening to this who are like, oh, Dave Chang's great. Yeah, well, you don't know anybody who's ever worked for him or anybody who's ever had to uh, deal with him on a lease or anything like that. He's not as great as you think he is. <laughs> so, anyway, Chang has a new show about the future of food, and he has a whole episode about how American breakfast has to change. And while I agree that we shouldn't be eating eggs and cheese and bacon every day for breakfast, that's not even what he talks about. He talks about cereal. Like, that's a huge issue. Yeah. I don't know a single motherfucker over 16 years old who has cereal for breakfast. I don't know a single one. Not a single one. I don't know. I know more people who have coffee and cigarettes for
0: breakfast. Yeah. I know more people who just don't have breakfast. Yeah, and
1: her. I only bring that up because it just feels just as out to lunch. No pun intended, I guess. That's going to happen. I'm going to have food on the bread. I'm going to be so hungry by the end of this podcast. Um, but she's preaching the same shit. She's basically like, yeah. don't eat candy. Yeah, no shit, don't eat candy. I'm not eating a candy bar and being like, oh, this is so unfair that it's unhealthy. I know what I'm doing. Yeah. It feels good because of that. Like, I, It's a weird It's weird to tell people that that impulse is unrealistic because like, you're just changing
0: the flavor of the impulse. It's all the same shit. Um, as time went on, she began hosting more and more of these events she then started 12 week seminars that were like uh, video and audio tape based. And the outreach just got more and more. And by 1994, uh, she branched out to Europe uh, in about 600 churches and 35 different states in the US. So I mean, that's a reach, man. Yeah. That's a serious network. And then by January of 1995, the program was in more uh, than 1,000 churches in 49 states. It was also in Great Britain and in Canada, and then by July of 1996, 5,000 churches with 10% located in Laura's home state of Tennessee. Um, about eight churches in Britain were hosting workshops uh, by 1996, and they even started, people in the U.S. started hosting events in their own homes.
1: Yeah, it became like Tupperware parties. Yeah.
0: Well, and bear in mind,
1: that was the time of that sort of yeah. thing, you know? So Avon parties, Tupperware parties. And she was, I guess it's diligent, I suppose, but it just sort of feels manipulative, the way that she catered to the audience that she catered to. But it was very much the same thing, right? It was like, it was religion for Oprah. And yeah. that was a big part of Oprah at one point did endorse the way down Mm -hmm. and that became a huge part of it. Now, eventually it would become the remnant fellowship.
0: Yes. What year did
1: it become the remnant fellowship?
0: Well, so it kept growing. Uh, In 1996, it finally built a headquarters in Franklin, Tennessee, and they had a staff of 40 people and she began hosting the annual, annual summer convention, which was called desert oasis in Nashville. And then by 1998, there were more than 12 or 21,000 classes uh, two hundred and fifty thousand participants worldwide, and they were hosted in every state, all throughout Canada and all throughout Europe. And finally, in nineteen ninety nine, she founded the Remnant Fellowship Church. Okay, so it was ninety nine. Yeah, so she finally had this quarter of a million participants. That's so many people. And she's decided after um, and you know these are paid participants. Yeah, yeah. Um, she went on to the news and everything, and she. Like you said, Oprah endorsed her, and she just kept getting more and more gain. And she's like, okay, well, let's turn this into something, and started the Remnant Fellowship Church.
1: Yeah. Uh, And that's when things started to get real wild. Yes. Yeah, because she went from having uh, influence over people to having direct control over people. And uh, don't get me wrong, the people who worked for her during the way down period obviously say the same thing. They insist that... It, she's a brutal person to be around, but mm-hmm. I'll let you get more into that.
0: Well, uh, so when she started the church, um, she built this giant actual church building. It was completed in 2004. It's 40 acres. Yep, of land. It's a mega church. I mean, they are evangelicals in the purest sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, what's the
1: what's the one we all hate? What's his name? The little guy who looks like a frog. Oh, who screams um, it?
0: there's that clip of him screaming at the reporter about having a private jet. Yeah. The private Jane uh, jet he bought from Heron's tower or heron's tower. Heron's Toward. That seems like an ev- ev- evangelical name. Yeah, it does. Um, but yeah, I can't that, remember his sort name, of the shit.
1: but just, you know, they are very much the 700 club. It's what you're thinking. You know, that they, they were in, it's interesting because she started specifically making money, then made it about Jesus. Mm-hmm. And while the way down was definitely religiously driven, it wasn't, she didn't have a specific church. And, Uh, The church thing is interesting because she had a very controversial take to Christianity. She didn't believe in the Holy Trinity. She believed that there was the Father and the Son, but no Holy Spirit. Um, And, you know, I'm not a Christian, but I have read the Bible, and I'm familiar with the philosophy, and that seems like a hard thing to get over. Yes. You know, because the Holy Spirit is a really, really big part, and obviously the Trinity is a huge part of more traditional Christianity as well. So it's weird to... Recant that, but I think it's just an indicator that she very much—it's a cult of personality, right? Yes, because it seems like she had this idea, and then everybody was like, "Oh, honey, you got a great idea!" And she was like, "Don't I just?" And then they started this big crowd of knitting circles that eventually become bigger and bigger and bigger, mm-hmm. and you end up, yeah, with an entire network of people who believe that God wants them to eat skinny.
0: Yes, uh, basically, what the way Charlotte's down a
1: plane passing us in the sky,
0: uh, with the way down diet. Uh, teaches you is the love of food should be transferred to a love of God, and to cut food portions down in to half and only eat when you're hungry. Imagine every time that you uh, wanted a pizza roll, you just just for fun, just
1: just funning around, you yeah. just want to throw five of them in the oven. You no, know? you
0: get two and a half of them, and you can only eat them when you're starving. And otherwise, you got to fucking apologize to God. Yeah. I already apologize to God when I'm the, on the toilet after <laughs> I've um, And she was that restrictive with other parts of her life, too, which play into some of the lawsuits and stuff she had against her. Which she had a number. Um, you don't she, live a life like that and not make a lot of foes. Yes. Uh, she not only taught people how to diet, she also t- taught people how to parent. Yep. And one of her big things is she taught parents to hit their kids with glue sticks, wooden spoons, and other items. And, like, whip them. Mm-hmm. When we say glue sticks, we don't mean, like, a
1: little glue stick. We mean the kind you can buy at the craft store yeah. for three-foot long. So that when you whip it at a kid, it's like, uh, I remember uh, one of the tricks when I was a kid uh, was you'd hit each other with a licorice rope. Yes. it does, like, the same uh-huh. thing. It's really soft, but when you whip it, you can break the skin with it.
0: Uh, and the, the mantra she taught with this was, um, if they did anything other than what their parents told them to do, they deserved it. And
1: I talked about this a little bit last week, and I'll just pop in to say, again, shout out. If you guys are looking for an interesting podcast about actually growing up in a cult, uh, you didn't ask. My cousins started a podcast, but this is very much how they grew up. They grew up being told that literally anything that happened to them that was... Perceivably bad. You stub your toe. You lost your keys. You're fucking anything. It's raining outside. It's raining because you did something wrong. Mm-hmm. God's mad at you. Yeah. You fucking loser. And it's such a way to keep people trapped because you just assume not only that you'll get what you deserve, which means that you can't escape consequence, which yes. is consequence is largely what keeps people in a box anyway, whether it's oh, organized religion, organized law or whatever it is. Law is just religion with guns. It's the idea, it's ultimately just up to the group, right? Like yeah. you can't objectively be right. So it's very difficult to prove that you won't face this come up. It's Like God won't get me. I have a justification. And it seemed like the way she got around it was just
0: saying, no, that's not what God meant. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. So she actually has a quote in one of her teachings, and it is this. The way you show God you are answering to him is through obeying your mother and father on the first time. If you obey on the second or third time, you are being your own god, and no one playing around like that can ever go to heaven, so you will only live a few years on earth, and you will have horrible afterlife. If you don't obey mommy and daddy on the first try, you will be taken out, and you will be very, very sorry. Taken out.
1: Telling children they'll be taken out. Yeah,
0: if you don't listen to dad, you're going to get fucking raptured, dude. God's (laughs) going to suck you off. Hell yeah, dude. Anyways, I'm pushing what shit What are you over. doing? I'm sitting. <laughs> I'm ready for God to suck me off, baby. Um, and one of the big lawsuits comes from Joseph and Sonia Smith, who uh, they adhered to Shamblin's pre- like, teachings, both on the diet side and the parenting side, pretty strictly. And they routinely disciplined their son, uh, Joseph, by beating him with glue sticks, belts, and heated coat hangers. Oh. hmm Oh, fuck, man. Um, they would lock him in confined spaces for extended period of time and tie his hands with rope. And when they finally uh, got caught, she said to the police that she normally gave the children their webpings in increments of 10 blows each, but he got several of them until he died. Yep, he got beat to death. In a that's in the documentary.
1: They they have all of the footage of the depositions and stuff, and it's really wild to watch her try to wiggle out of it being her fault, and then once she can't do that, her trying to justify beating this poor child to death. Mm -hmm. And the idea, I want to make it clear that once it became the Remnant Fellowship, the members of the church follow these rules. Yes. So if you're a member of Remnant, not only do you give money to Gwen, but, and her at the time husband, which we'll get to, David, correct? Yes. David? Yeah. Yep. I just want to make sure. Uh, you know how I am sometimes. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> I've called David Daniel. <laughs>
0: uh,
1: and all of that money going to these people, like, it's just so much power. Yes. Um, well. Um, I mean, obviously enough, enough
0: to, and to, those people remained in the church, you know? They did yeah. uh, until October 8, 2003 is when they disciplined their child enough that it killed him, Uh Luckily, they were convicted of acute and chronic abuse. Uh, They were convicted in Georgia versus Smith, and they were sentenced uh, to life plus 30 years in prison. Yep. So they got their comeuppets. Um, Gwen got nothing. Yes, she got nothing. They were like, well, she taught us how to discipline our kids, but she never disciplined our kids, so she got nothing. Yep. Um, Another thing of not being held accountable for her actions, in a TV interview, someone asked her, well, how do you split up all this money that you're making from the way down workshops? And she goes, well, it's simple. 50% of it goes to the church and the other 50% goes back into the workshops to revamp them. We found out that's not true at all. Yeah, yeah. She made millions of dollars. Yep, and one of the recent
1: uh, controversies is, you know, we'll get into the plane crash here in just a moment, um, but her will, her will mm-hmm. spoke to, uh, we'll get into it, Uh, here in a little bit like the finer details of it, but her will is very strange. Yes. Uh, And the way that her estate was to be split up was very strange, but the most glaring thing that was missing from that will, Caleb, was that none of this money that she had accrued since 1999 in the name, so that's 22 years, Mm -hmm. in the name of the Remnant Fellowship, she didn't leave a single dime under any condition. And there are some weird conditions in that will. Not under a single condition does she leave a single dime to the Remnant Fellowship, the church that she founded. The riches upon which she sat came from the pockets of the people in that church, almost exclusively. Mm -hmm. And when she passed, she had no interest in giving them any of that. She wanted to make sure she kept all of it. Yes. And bear in mind that while she died um, relatively recently, she wasn't young. She was 66 years old. That's why she looks like that in the <laughs> That's thumbnail.
0: why she looks like the Crypt Keeper <laughs> with a wig on. Yeah, she looks...
1: No, she just looks like the Crypt Keeper had he not gone bald. That's true. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like, if he just would have had a full head of hair or, like, a weird wig the whole time.
0: <laughs> yeah, so I suppose next we should get
1: into the plane crash?
0: Yes. So, the plane crash, uh, it is May... Of 2021. It's May 29th. It's November, Caleb. Well, I'm talking about the plane crash. Ooh. Not right Ooh. now. This is where you do the, fly, the Wayne's World flashback <laughs> <Whoa>. thing. <laughs> Picture, if you will. You're in Smyrna Tennessee. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm so angry and hot. It's May in Tennessee. <laughs> so, it's uh, May 29th of this year, 2021. It is at 10.55 in the morning. Okay. Laura, her new husband... So uh, in 2018, she uh, divorces David. Yeah, in like kind of a weird fashion. So we should include that really quickly, I guess. David
1: was her husband this entire time Mm -hmm. and was largely um, the driving force behind the religious element. And it became, in 2018, she had sort of accrued this wealth and just decided she sort of just quietly divorced David and then married former uh, daytime TV star of Tarzan, as it was said on the news clip we watched, Tarzan, Joe Laura. Yes. He's like a tall human dildo looking guy. You yeah. Know, he's got like that Florida skin and like dye black hair.
0: He looks like if uh Tim Burton drew uh, Fabio from memory. <laughs> it does actually look like
1: that. That's exactly what he looks like. Joe that's a tweet right there.
0: I, I want I want to get in contact with Tim Burton and say, Hey, uh quit being racist. Yeah. Um but also, can you draw a picture of uh, Fabio and Dolly Parton next to each other in your art style? Just get the guy who did all the pu- the maquettes for uh, Coraline and yeah. the, the Nightmare Before Christmas. Can
1: you give me a Joe Laura? And it looks
0: exactly <laughs> like him. So they, uh, the two of them, so Joe and Gwen, yeah. uh, are flying to a makeover. Make America Great Again rally. Yep, they're on their way to a maggot rally, uh, in their private jet. In their a private jet, Cessna C five hundred one. And I'm going to get more into the the plane side of things. Yes, to get into the technical shit. But. Um, and they are with um, so it's Joe, Laura, a pilot that is their own private pilot, another couple that are high ranking members in the Remnant Fellowship, and another couple that are high ranking membership. In the fellowship. You know what's funny is we've had a number of uh, sort of
1: plane disappear. We love a plane disappearance. We love a good plane oh, disappearance. Oh, man, plane disappearance or plane crash, they're great. Uh, the Alaska Triangle, when the state senator disappeared, mm-hmm. it was almost the same
0: makeup of people on that plane, and I think that's fascinating. So it is 1055 in the morning. Um, they're in Smyrna, Tennessee. It's a small municipal airport, and they're making their way uh, to Florida. They're making their way to West Palm Beach, Florida, for the maggot rally yep, and they take off. They should have taken a boat. They really should well, have. sunk. yeah, <laughs> um, they take off at 10 55 in the morning. They, their check flight is all fine. I'll go through everything about that here in a second, but check flight's good. They're clear to take off. They take off. They're going in a weird direction. So uh, air traffic control is like, Hey, guys, you're going in the wrong direction. Well,
1: I'll explain that real quickly. So there are two runways at Smyrna. There's, I think it's 14 and the other one. And they took off on 14. So the orientation, it was probably just where they had room to take off. Yeah. But both of them point to the north. So because of that, well, they're flying south. So as soon as they take off, they get told by the tower, hey, guys, uh, you're currently going pretty much the opposite direction. We need you to turn around. And it should be made clear. It's I think it's a little misleading sometimes in news reports when you see, like, well, the tower told them to do this. Yeah, that's how you get directions yeah. when you're flying a plane. Yeah. So it's not really like they weren't warned or anything. Oh, they no, were just not at like, all. hey, you need to go that direction. That's your vector. That's where you need to be going. That's a tower's job. Yes. That's what they do. So it it's not as misleading. Now, the sketchy part is what happened immediately afterwards.
0: Yep. Uh, so with air traffic control, what you do is they're like, uh, think of it giving directions in a car. So you're like, hey, you got to turn left up here. If you're the pilot of that plane, you go, copy, I got to turn left up here. I'm driving a Honda Civic. Yep. <laughs> That's basically how air yep. traffic control call and response works. So they were like, hey, uh. In uh, 66 BK, which was the tail number of their Cessna 501. Uh, change your your degree to 130 degrees. You're going in the wrong direction. And nothing. Radio silence back. So they call out. They're like, hey, you're uh, still going in the wrong fucking direction. <laughs> Go south. Still no response. And they're like, do you copy? And finally the pilot comes on and he says, 130 degrees BK. Which that was... When you talk about tail numbers and stuff, luckily we know someone who is currently going through pilot school, so he gave us the whole laydown of everything. Um, When you're doing call and response, you usually shorten your tail number to just the last two letters. Yeah, it's the most relevant and unique. Um, So when he's like, that was his form of copying. Immediately after that, seconds after they take off, they crash into a lake that is three miles away from the airport.
1: Yeah, they... Went into what we would have to assume is a spin, but we'll yes. talk about that in a minute. The plane dropped out of the air. It fell about 2,000 feet because uh, it fell from 2,900 feet of elevation and the airfields at about 1,000 feet of elevation. So it fell about 2,000 feet in mm-hmm. about a second and a half yep. and was in the water. Now, it's in the water. People go out there. They start digging through the wreckage. And what we found was interesting, the first thing that really ticked my alarms is none of the rem-
0: the remains have been positively identified. Nope. Uh, even to this day, if you look at rec- uh, news articles, it says they did find the remains of if- seven bodies. Um, these bodies were assumed to be dead on impact, and they said that they can confirm they are human remains, but they cannot confirm the identities. And to fans of the show, maybe you guys remember the story of Alfred Lowenstein mm-hmm. when
1: he fell out of his plane inexplicably. Apparently, to- he took a wrong turn to Albuquerque, and he fell out of his plane into the ocean, and... <laughs> You know, when they found him, they still identified him. Yes. Like, he felt, he. We know... However... Go listen to the episode. But however he died, he did fall out of the back of a plane and hit the ocean. Mm-hmm. And they were still able to identify him. And this was in the early 20th century. I have a hard time believing that they couldn't make... It only fell 2,000 feet, and I know that sounds crazy, but if it was in a spiral, it hit a lake. It didn't explode. It did not catch on fire. Mm -hmm. It hit a lake, which means that while the people in there would definitely be in bad shape, they would be very recognizable. You fell out of a building. Like, your body didn't explode. You were surrounded by a giant metal cage. Yep, It's very, very strange that those bodies have not been positively identified.
0: Yeah, and looking at the wreckage, they only found, like, two-thirds of the plane. They found both engines... Uh, Neither engine showed signs of uh, a fire, an engine fire. They found part of the cabin, neither the outside nor inside of the cabin showed any sign of fire. So they're not quite sure why the plane went down. Um, And they found the seven remains over the span of like three weeks in this lake. And it's not a big lake. No, it's not a big lake at all. It's like a golf course lake. Yeah. Yeah. And so everything's just weird when it points to that. Yeah, so this will get into
1: the like finer points when we talk about, okay, so this crash is super sketchy and we have two people, one of which who has this kingdom of abuse and neglect and guilt driven by an alleged connection to the god above and her husband. Um, we have people who were qualified, the pilot that was in there was qualified to fly that plane. Now, what could have happened is A Cessna C501 is a jet engine plane, Mm -hmm. which means that in order for it to stall, kind of both of them have to go out at the same time. And because they're rated that way, they just sort of assume that plane's, that's never going to happen. Yeah. So most planes that have propellers are uh, glide rated. So if the engine were to die, you'd know how far you would be able to glide and land. Well, with the jet, they're not rated like that because they kind of assume that's never going to happen because how could it? Yeah. Well, it happened here. And more surprisingly, we have a plane. A plane. A plane with its wings and tail intact that dropped out of the sky like they were Alfred Lowenstein falling out of the back of a plane. Yes. It fell so fast that it would have had to have been in a spin because pretty much the only way that a plane can... And this is obviously this is me speaking allegedly, but this is after going over the FAA report with uh, Ryan tight. That's, that's uh, the, the pilot and, mm-hmm. in question, talking to him extensively about it and him asking his father, who was a commercial pilot for 30 years, what he thinks probably happened. So here's the deal in order for that plane to have fallen that fast out of the air into the pond on its own, truly, honestly, it would have had to have been sideways, which is possible because in that pitch turn that could have happened. Now, It also would have needed to lose both engines to drop out of the air. So for that to happen without fires and without any obvious signs of damage, the only real thing that could have happened was bad gas. Mm -hmm. Now, bad gas is not a common thing. And if there was bad gas at that field, I have a feeling it's a small municipal field. And this is definitely up to the maintenance records of that field. But I have to wonder how it would be possible that they would have bad fuel sitting in a barrel ready to be pumped into a plane that probably has, you know, this is a small Smyrna is an airfield outside of Nashville. That is for basically this it's for musicians with private planes. It's for these types of people. I have a very hard time believing that this level of neglect could could happen so that means that we have a plane that fell out of the air under extremely questionable circumstances with at least two very questionable people one of which that several want dead and we have to wonder okay well then why did it fall out of the sky and that's what we want to talk about now so we know what happened we know how maybe it could have happened if it was bad gas i would imagine it was tampering
0: that's the thing though so uh the plane the pilot did top off the fuel tanks Uh, with 414 gallons of Jet-A fuel prior to the flight, but the tank was 574 gallons, which means there is 160 gallons of gas that was already in that plane. So if it was bad gas how did it not crash before and how did they not find out that that gas was bad by looking at it
1: well it would depend on how long the plane was parked Mm -hmm. um i've dealt with bad gas because i'm a motorcycle owner and every you know winter if you live somewhere cold you gotta drain all your fluids sometimes you put in a replacement thing to stop any sort of lines from rotting and then you park it you gotta drain all that shit out and refill your fluids when you start it back up now you can get bad gas however we're talking about the bad gas I'm talking about is unleaded gasoline Yep, and it's gasoline that's rated at an octane rating of, you know, 87 to 95, which by the way, all the octane ratings in America are actually a little bit lower Mm -hmm. than what you know them to be. Um, They're incorrectly marked on purpose. Um, I think if you put that in a garage, I'm talking a lot about this, but I I feel like if you took low quality gas and you put it in a garage, it would still take a really long time to be bad enough that you would end up with particulate that would stop, an engine, especially a jet engine. Yeah, This isn't a carbureted engine, you know, like historically bad gas can stop a carburetor because it's got floats in it. And if there's material that stopped that from happening, yeah, who knows? But in this case, I really have a hard time believing. I don't know. I Maybe I don't know quite enough about jet engines, but you would, I think the fact that there was already fuel in this plane, yeah, Mm -hmm. indicates that it would have had to have crashed at some, because that fuel would have to be really bad because it would have to, it would not only have to be bad, it would have to be like, you know, 120% bad because it would have to make, it would
0: also have to tarnish the gas that's in there. That was already in there. Yeah, d- uh, most appropriate time I've ever used tarnish. <laughs> <laughs> um, then we get into some other discrepancies that it's like, maybe the engines didn't fail. And that is the eyewitness report. So there was a witness fishing about 150 feet west of uh, where the plane crashed. Um, This is 2.7 miles northeast of the airport, which, like I said, the lake was three miles away. He described the weather as very low ceiling and mist. uh, And he heard what he thought was a low flying military jet before he saw the airplane impact the lake in a, quote, straight down nose first altitude. See, and
1: it while that could certainly happen if you're in a spin, the likelihood that it wouldn't still be spinning or on its side for to have been nose first makes you think that somebody just
0: nose pitched it down. Mm-hmm. like Just send that plane into the water. He did not see any evidence of fire or an explosion. Uh, examination of the accident site revealed the airplane impacted a shallow section of the lake that was about two to eight feet deep. And they still only found two thirds of the plane. Yeah, it took them and these bodies, they're, they can barely find them. You know, it took them mm-hmm. weeks to find seven people. First responders and recovery personnel used underwater side sonar to identify larger pieces of wreckage, along with it's eight feet underwater feet rescue put a divers. a net down there. Mm-hmm. Um, the divers reported that the visibility in the water was poor due to the deep mud and silt that made up the lake bed.
1: Well, yeah, because, I mean, it's like swampy water. Yeah. But even then, it's not very deep. I mean, just start dragging everything up. I know there's the fish and all that stuff,
0: but, like, this is extenuating circumstances. A plane just landed on top of it. Uh, These are all the parts that were, like, recovered from the lake. Both engines, the main cabin door, portions of the main cabin windows, the left nose baggage door, all three landing gear, most of the tail section, and sections of both wings, including portions of the flaps and uh, uh, ailerons. Yeah, uh, several fractured little... seat frames and pieces of the interior were also recovered. There was no evidence of an in-flight fire observed on any of the recovered sections of the airframe or engines.
1: Yeah, and while there was a... So when they took off, the tower says that they think they heard a faint um, like a maintenance noise mm-hmm. when the plane was going to take off, so there could have been an issue somewhere on the plane, like a failure, but there being no evidence of a fire the only failure that could have happened that we're really talking about that would be relevant here would be the landing gear. In my mind, we have to sort of just fill in the blanks, right? Like, we have to try to guess. And my guess is either something was done intentionally, but it feels like that before the plane took off, say the bad gas situation or something, but it just feels like while this crash is definitely possible, it is very difficult to have happen... Uh, the way that it did. Yes. You know what I mean? Like, what incredible circumstances. It just feels so much like somebody was at at play. And if there was somebody at play, then the question is, okay, so who could have been behind it? Yeah. And my thoughts are, you know, they crossed a lot of people. They crossed a lot of people. I wouldn't be surprised if another evangelist, Joel Olstein, was tampering with gas or something. But it feels personal i mm-hmm. wonder if that other couple the high ranking couple if there wasn't some sort of a disagreement i mean there's no way to find that stuff out that stuff is locked behind so yeah. many doors uh or honestly my we're going to go old school as a cat spirit hour here and i'm going to give a preferred uh sort of absurdist theory <laughs> i think god cut them down i think it so. feels a lot like If there is a God, whatever kind of God it might be, it really honestly feels like they just got plucked out of the fucking sky. You know, like if you truly believe in Christianity to that level and you run scams that hurt people and manipulate them and judge them and all the Mm -hmm. things that Christians hold dear not to do, if you don't welcome people with open arms and you constantly do so in the Lord's name – I like the idea that occasionally this Old Testament God shows up and is like, "Uh uh-uh, nope, I'm done with your shit. And just knocks him out of the air. Because that's what it feels like. It feels, it legitimately feels like somebody just grabbed that plane and went, nope, you're all dying now. Yeah, Because the rate at which it fell into the the water, you know, that's fast, man.
0: I don't know. What do you think, Caleb? Uh, I think personally that they... Found a way to fake their deaths. Yeah, that's what it feels like. I think they had enough money. They certainly had enough money and enough pull. Enough money, enough pull, and enough negative uh, image that they would just take their money and run. Not to mention that you know
1: they both so heavily uh, like doctor their appearance that she could pop up anywhere without that fucking weird, disgusting hair, and I don't think anybody would know who Gwen was. Mm-mm. Yeah, and Joe, you know, he all he's got to do is actually look like the old man he is, grow out a beard, and I feel like most people probably wouldn't know he was either. Yeah. be very easy for those guys to disappear, you know, in South America, somewhere like that, Um, not to be too classical about it, you know. Yeah. But it
0: really does feel that way. And the thing is, we're we're theorizing that they somehow survived the plane crash. They don't even have to do that. We don't know that they were on the plane. Yeah, we have no reason to – like, this was a private airfield. I can definitely say
1: – you you could have anybody could have gotten on that plane. Yep. Anybody could have. This was not a commercial airport. This is not a place where your TSA is staffed. You're not dealing with the same issues. And
0: as someone who like we both have researched cults in a min, like many different ways. Oh yeah. If you are a cult leader, uh, especially a Christian cult leader, an evangelical Christian cult leader, and you say, "Hey, God has something He wants you to do. You need to get on this plane and die." Yeah. There are so many people that were probably part of that cult that have been like, yeah, okay. Yeah, absolutely. When you use the afterlife
1: as a reward, mm-hmm. they come, it becomes very easy to make unknown martyrs out of people. Yep. You know, they don't know they're going to die for it. Or maybe they don't know, you know. But you convince them, no, 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 man. This is just the first part. There's, It gets so much better over there. Yeah. Well, yeah, it, shit. They're probably going to want to go to the better thing. The bad news is there's nothing over there. <laughs> See, you're just being tricked. And, yeah, I... Caleb, I I don't even think they need body doubles. I think they could just put, those could have been cadavers on that plane. The unfortunate truth is that we don't exactly know, but that's kind of the exciting thing about this story. By all means, leave your theories in the comments. Let us know what you think they were up to and what happened to them because (sighs) somebody got them. Somebody somebody struck them down. And currently, you know, this feels like not dissimilar from Havana Syndrome in that we are probably going to end up having another episode about this as an update in a few months or Mm -hmm. so. But I would keep your keep your ear to the ground. This is an interesting one. If it's anything like that bomber in Nashville, it's gonna get covered up real quick and we won't hear anything else about it. Maybe we'll talk about that by the end of the year. Yeah, yeah we really did stop hearing about that once it happened. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, who knows what happened to Joe Laura and Gwen Chamblin. Uh, I honestly don't even think they're dead. I kind of nah. hope they are, but yeah. I don't. But I don't think they are. Uh, shit. Hope you guys enjoyed. Yeah. Let us know what your theories are in the comments. And uh, I. It is just about that time. The big red light is telling
0: me that it's riddle o'clock. Caleb. It is. Uh, the answer to last week's riddle was a leaf. Has the veins? Has everything? You really, really, uh, really gave a good hint when you said "leaf." Your answers Listen, in the comments.
1: Man, you said a riddle I hadn't
0: heard right in front of me. I got excited. Uh this week's is I can be long or I can be short. I can be grown or I can be bought. I can be painted or left bare. I could be round or left square. What am I? You
1: cannot say penis. It's don't not say penis. penis. Don't say penis. Brittany, don't say penis. Bunger don't say penis. Dad don't say penis. <laughs> Anyway, uh, now that we've said that a hundred times at the end of our podcast, we are going to be properly suppressed, as always. So if you guys liked it, you know what to do. Give us the like and subscribe and all that fun stuff. And share it. This is definitely designed to be something that you put on with your friends while you're doing something stupid. Yeah. you know, When you're sitting around playing Catan or something, listen to us talk about what maybe happened to these evangelist <laughs> cult leaders and come up with your own theories, more importantly. Yeah, let us yeah.
0: know your theories. Uh, let us know if you are... Gwen Shamblin or Joe Laura, and yeah. you weirdly stumbled upon this episode that's or about you. If you were honestly member, though,
1: if you were a member of the Remnant Fellowship,
0: honestly though, I'm pretty sure if they are still alive, they are so both so vain that they probably just search their name every so often. So this probably did pop yeah, up. Yeah, I know.
1: Them. we're gonna get Twitter <laughs> responses from weird, fucking fake Twitter accounts now. What's that called? A Twitter? Is it a Twitter? I don't know. It, it, leave that in the comments as well. Let us know what you think a fucking <laughs> fake Twitter is supposed to be called. I guess just a Twitter. Anyway, thank you guys so much. We will see you next week. We love you very much. Thank you for joining us.
0: Goodbye. Bye. Bye. Double ghoul. <laughs> beautiful.
1: Beautiful, Fork beautiful. Sink. You shit. That was a shit. That's going to be the kind of shit my pants. Ouch. I shit my pants. (laughs) Ouch. I shit my pants. Oh, shit. Ow.